Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I, Susanna Liller, get to talk to, interview real life heroines on their heroine's journey and have them share their stories of how they answered a call to go on the journey with you. And today I have Elvira DeBridget, all the way from beautiful, sunny Hawaii to talk to. Welcome, Elvira. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you. And let me just say a bit about you before I start asking you questions and kicking off our conversation. And for you, I think the day is just beginning, correct? Right, yes. Yes. And here in Maine, we're in the middle of the afternoon. So, okay, so here's how Elvira introduces herself. I am a parent mentor, helping moms who feel and see if this resonates at all for any of you moms, helping moms who feel anxious, stressed, or unprepared to face the challenges as their daughters transition through puberty and adolescence. I help them build a relationship of trust and empowerment around the shared exploration of women's cycles and the heroine's journey. So, I bet a lot of you are thinking, holy smokes, I wish when my daughter was 13 or 14, Elvira was around. But Elvira, let me, I just, because so much, as you know, what I do is about the heroine's journey. What, right. what brought you to, to put your stuff, wrap your stuff within that framework as well? Hmm. Yeah, well, I was definitely raised around that, you know, my mom and books that were all about the collective unconscious and mythology. So I got an early start and, um, and then through my own, yeah, explorations, I just realized yeah, more and more about the heroine's journey and how important it was to me to be able to view my life in that way. So, Right. Did you go through any of the um, soul searching as I did? Because when you read all that um, literature, Joseph Campbell, Jung, everybody, it's the hero's journey. And you have to consciously now talk about it as the heroine's journey. And did you have any trouble going there when you decided to name your work about the heroine's journey? Um, 
Well, when I decided to name my my work uh, in that way, the biggest issue was that how to say that word and would people understand it, you know, and my husband always makes jokes about, yeah, <laughs> oh, you're doing recovery work. <laughs> exactly. I got the same thing. And, and that was a, you know, and I don't, I'd say heroin with an E on the end. And, mm-hmm. and then I thought, you know, we need to just reclaim that word. And I actually looked it up. Exactly. And, and heroin is an empowered woman, uh, actually, uh, initially um, a demigoddess. And that word was around before the drug, I think it was the bear company named, um, you saw, you mm. the same reason. Right. Yeah. And the reason why the bear company named the drug that was because it gave people heroic feelings and that's so not oh i didn't realize that part yeah yeah (laughs) yes that's a similar thought system that i went through too i was like well i'm just gonna have to educate people that this is a word that we can use um heroin or heroin (laughs) it's um but But yeah, my mother had always introduced me to like goddess culture and matriarchal or matrifocal. I just learned that word. Um, So it wasn't that much of a leap for me to take like what I knew about the hero's journey and and explore the heroine's journey. Um, But it just made so much sense when I connected in with it. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, we have a different journey and and the part also about just yeah taking trying to go the masculine journey and then realizing at some point in your life that that's not quite your journey like that is part of our modern day heroine's journey right that's so true and I think about my experience when I entered the workforce and it was all about kind of being like the leaders, the male leaders, instead of embracing my own style and remembering my boss telling me I was too nice. And I was thinking, yeah, but it's working for me. But, you know, in that place, it wasn't the way you got ahead. You didn't get ahead by being nice. So so talk about, if you would, because I'm always curious, to find out what what rang the bell, what gave you the call to start doing the work you're doing. And and maybe first I should ask you to explain the work you're doing now with women and their daughters and in the groups. And then if you could explain how you got there, what was your call? Okay, well, what I'm doing now, yeah, it's definitely been different iterations. And um, so now I'm working with mothers like you introduced me with um, mothers who have preteen or teen daughters and they're wondering like, oh, how can I handle this better than my mother? And um, how can I really help my daughter to be um you know, an empowered and safe person in this world and not be afraid and to 
walk a different way in the world. Um, just like we were saying, like, yeah, can you be nice, but still strong? Can you bring these feminine qualities into the world? Cause that's so much of what our world is needing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, the last few years I've been working with parents and helping them to understand what their daughters um, and their sons too, what their children are going through in the preteen years. Um, and from a physical perspective, talking about hormones and the brain development that's happening, but also the inner experience that's happening because I studied as a Waldorf teacher. And so um, Rudolf Steiner has, you know, his own pedagogy, um, a, a whole, you know, different way of looking at the human being and how we come into like a different spiritual births and you know in ourself so so I you know share that with the parents and I've also studied some positive psychology so I integrate some of that with activities and exercises and I have um mother-daughter circles that I also lead once I'm working with the parents and then usually the next step is to work together with the mother and the daughter mm. so, yeah, yeah so oh and I forgot to mention in all that <laughs> that a, what I realized as I started doing this work is that um you know because I was focusing on puberty and for girls having their first period menarche that is, you know, such a pivotal, pivotal time. And so I have really integrated um, learning about our whole menstrual cycle um, into my work with mothers and daughters so that they can, I think that's a great time for mothers to, um, you know, be there in a different way for their daughters. And it's like leading up to that time. And then it's not just about like, a ceremony for their first period, which is more and more common these days. It's also just about really um, using that time for more and more conversations and looking at the whole cycle, not just your period and not just PMS, but how our hormones affect our whole month. And it really is a cycle that we, a spiral we keep going through. Um, so no understanding it, yeah, it really helps. That reminds me of the book that you, you, I didn't even know about called the women's um, wheel of life that wheel you introduced me to. Right. And what's so interesting to me about this book by Elizabeth Davis and Carol Leonard, um, yeah, who are midwives, who are midwives. And, but, you know, it's always been maiden mother and crone, you know, and those are kind of the archetypes of women's growth and I always thought ah oh, you know well I'm still a mother but I'm a grandmother but I'm not quite a crone and they have a whole um added and you can say this before I even find it what's the other one between mother and crone they've ad added yeah um there's different names for it the MAGA or the Amazon. Let me see. I have the I'm, here too. I'm up to. um, the maiden, the mother, the matriarch. 
yeah. patriarch. That's yeah. right. Right. And yeah. then the crown. Yeah. I I can identify with and of course this book has you know, to help you figure out where you are. And of course it says you can move around, um, but it's just so interesting. And I really appreciate your um, introducing it to me. Yes, yeah, that's something that I share in my courses to have. It's so helpful to just realize that women, we have this wheel of life um, or you can look at different archetypes but just also to know that we can be flexible in them. And that's what I love about that book. It really talks about that we have this transformer ability. So even our daughters can be like a wise woman for their friends and they can be, you know, it doesn't just depend on age. You're not just stuck in one of those. Well, so then Elvira, explain like kind of where you were in so ordinary life in the heroine's journey before mm. you get a call, right? So where were you before you got this call to start working with women and daughters and mothers and children in this way? What was going? How did that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I can see so many layers in my life that were <laughs> leading me here, but um yeah, the kind of big one was I was, you know, I had become a teacher. I had studied Waldorf and I was most of my career working as a homeschool teacher and coach. And I homeschooled my own children because we lived too far away to get to school. And, um, and then I had, yeah, really built my life around being a homeschooled coach and um in this certain one community in California right. and um yeah and we had lived there for I don't know about 17 years and um we had a whole homestead and olive production we made olive oil and mm. so we were really grounded there in this valley and um had raised my older children there I have two children who are now in their later 20s and I have a 14 year old son still at home so there came a time where you know I thought my life was going in this one direction I'm just gonna stay here and be like the homeschool matriarch and um and then it all came crashing down yeah um my husband's health was a big factor and he hurt his back and then he lost his job. And at the same time, the homeschool community that I was involved with just, I would say it fell apart, but it really was changed. And um, there was another like young male teacher who came on the scene and just kind of like swooped in and created this like private school and wow. uh so and so all of a sudden we were like hmm there's we don't have anything really keeping us here and we were not happy and our son wasn't too happy either he didn't have like a playmate of his age right there so we were driving so 
so we started thinking, well, maybe we should move. Maybe we should move closer into the city so that our son can be closer to these friends that we're driving an hour to see. Um, and then we thought, well, if we're going to move, we should probably move where we really want to be, which was Hawaii. Wow. And we have been, yeah. So that was one big, like, uh, one big step. And, and Elvira, I just want to point out that that it does often happen that way, that things just seem to fall apart and collapse. And and some people think, oh, this is horrible. And it can initially feel horrible, but then you look back at it and you say, thank God it happened because look what it made me do. So was that kind of um, how it- Exactly, unfolded? yeah. There was like a year and a half or two of, it was really gray and yeah my husband was really depressed and I was trying to keep it together and but we were just like what are we gonna do and just yeah just upset with the way things were going mm. and so it was a really big decision to and if we did it slowly we were like well let's go to Hawaii for a year and we just put everything in storage and rented our house and you know went to see how it would be but as soon as we got there um we felt at home and and this is really when I got this call I was um I was you know I would stretch and meditate every morning and I was just felt so blessed to be have this like new start in this beautiful place and it had worked out just so smoothly with finding a place to live and getting our son into a school that we were so happy about. So all those things combined, I was in this really grateful space and and then I just felt this calling. I remember one morning being out in the yard and just getting this really strong calling. Like I want to do something to share what I have, what I've learned through my life. Like there's been so many great mentors in my life and um, yeah, just being able to get through that rough patch and see a clearing, you know, and, and say, oh, wow, I want to bring other people here. That was the feeling that I had. And then I started you know, looking around at how can I do that, but. Right, yeah. and so it was definitely, it was a feeling. You just strongly began to, that was your intuition? Is that how you would? Um... Yeah, I would say it was intuition. It was also feeling the land here and Pele, the goddess. I just was like imagining this connection with her. And I just, it was definitely a strong feeling that just was, saying now is the time and you have things you need to share so when people are on that threshold these are some of the things that I hear are um but you know the the threshold guardians were voicing their concerns about danger danger and they get fearful and I'm wondering did you have was it hard for you to walk in the direction of your call or were you getting the, oh, you don't know enough, you're not old enough, young enough, whatever, all of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, 
And I just learned a new word for that, the inner saboteurs. <laughs> you know, that was a strong one. Um, it was mostly inside that I was getting that message. But out the outer voices, I think we had already kind of conquered that from moving to Hawaii because it was like, there were definitely people saying, you know, what are you going to, you can't just move to Hawaii, you know? And so taking that step, we had already kind of, yeah, crossed over a big threshold. Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely was feeling like, well, how am I going to share? What am I going to share? And I immediately started feeling like, oh, I need to practice my storytelling skills. And I, yeah. But you it knew, was, you, you knew inside that this is, was your calling, what you needed to do. No yeah. Question. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I still today, sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to do that. You know, I don't have time for this, <laughs> but I still feel like it's, yeah. Right. And we get many calls right in our lives and, you know, we, we, follow them and we go through a journey related to that call and then we are done and then something else comes up so yeah so I'm sure people are wondering yeah. where is she in Hawaii exactly oh yeah so I'm on the big island and we bought another farm and it's like the same size as the one in California just three acres and but we're on the Kona side we're actually in Kealakekua which means pathway of the gods oh, nice wonderful yeah and also when you were talking about how the move just kind of unfolded smoothly and um, things kind of fell into place to me too that's a a sign that yeah this is the way you're supposed to go you know and I think if we run okay. into roadblocks that can tell us you know maybe this is not the right direction so yeah huh well so then I have some questions well oh and so I know you um, went to um got certified as a coach in Marianne Williams's course which I think yeah. is called miracle coaching miracle minded coaching right can you share a little bit about I mean I remember what yeah. you said to me you said it was you made a very strong um profoundly changed your life is what oh. she said. So how yes. was that? Yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And it goes back to actually when I was a teenager and I was searching and I, um, you know, I had a good relationship with my mother, but still I didn't want to share everything with her because she was my mother and she was, um, you know, maybe took things too personally, or it was like a shared responsibility or something. And I was trying to, you know, individuate and go on my own. So I happened to meet this woman who became an amazing mentor to me. Um, her name is Rosa Maria Wynn. She has since passed on, but she was the first um, translator of the A Course in Miracles. And so she introduced me to that book 
back then when I was 16, 17. I have a copy yeah. of this showing people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that um that book is just yeah. When I first started reading it, I was like, oh, this is answering so many of my questions. I was a very thoughtful teenager who was like, you know, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? Mm -hmm. So, so that book really helped me a lot. And, and then I had um, kind of put it to the side for quite a few years after my first marriage. Um, and, and then during the early months of the pandemic, I saw that Marianne Williamson was offering this course. And I would just, you know, the timing of when I saw this, it was like a Facebook ad. Um, it just seems like, wow. It was like a lightning bolt of like, this is for me. I have to do this. And um, so another call. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I was one of the first um, coaches that she trained in the oh. cohort of 25. So we started out the first month with her um, in a, what was a, turned out to be a year and a half long program. And it was, um, it was focused on the principles of A Course in Miracles, but it wasn't exclusively like she, she talked more just in generalities about life and how to help people and that, you know, regular therapy and even coaching is a lot of times just not really able to take the next step of really helping people to see like through their own ego and um, yeah, just, yeah, really directing people to get an inner sense for themselves of, um, their inner purpose. And I think the big, one of the biggest things that she talked about was developing spiritual musculature, hmm. which, um, which, yeah, through my time with her, definitely I got more focused on meditation and also just asking within for little things during the day. So yeah, just developing that intuition. That's really yeah like inner knowing i think the way i so spiritual musculature musculature what i would assume that is is connecting with spirit whatever you want to call spirit on a regular basis and sort of keeping that frequency open right yeah, yeah exactly and and training your mind, you know, not to go along with the ego stories um, and to come back and, right. yeah, and realize that you're creating your own perceptions of what's going on. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite lines in The Course in Miracles is just don't believe everything you think. <laughs> so, so this is, I get asked this a lot. So how, and I get asked this about the call but also about messages and guidance that we might get. How can you best distinguish between a spiritual connection message and the ego? And do you have, yes. do you, what do you tell people? 
Mm, yeah, and I think that my mentor Rosa Maria was so good at helping me figure that out when I was younger. That she said, you know, peace is the one and only goal. It's the ultimate goal. It's the most important thing. Whatever thing that you're thinking you need or want, it really behind that should be the goal of peace. And so, um, so yeah, like with that decision of should I do this training with Marianne Williamson, which was a little outside my budget range normally, I, you know, I really sat with it and thought, well, how, you know, how does it feel inside if I do this training? How does it feel if I don't do this training? And, and I just really, yeah, felt like, oh, yeah, I just feel like peaceful. And this is, you know, no matter what, there will be something, I knew there was something I would get from it that would be everlasting, you know, and something right. I couldn't easily replace. Hmm. Hmm. So can I move our conversation back to your work with mothers and daughters? And I'm wondering, um, what do you hear the most as, you know, you have a great and your um, website, a great way that you introduce the um, questions, you know, you say, are you worried because you know that teenage anxiety and depression rates are on the rise? Are you afraid of your daughter entering the over-sexualized world we live in? All these, these questions, what, what do you encounter the most from the mothers? And then I'll ask you, what about the daughters? But from the mothers, what are they most concerned about? Mm. I think the biggest concern that I hear is that my daughter doesn't, um, isn't as open with me anymore. You know, there can be different levels of that. Um, some of it is that, you know, my daughter is just in her room all the time now and, she, um, you know, or yeah, she's just not as forthcoming in our conversations. And, that's such a close I have a daughter who's 40 and and she has a daughter who's 12 no 11 um and yeah that's such a bond when they're young and you're so close and but individuation is necessary so it has to happen I I also note in your website you talk about an aha you had when you were having a trying time with your daughter and can you do you, you know what I'm talking about the aha uh -huh. yeah you yeah I think I remember what's on there did you forget yeah um there were a few man there's one where she I think it's this one where she just said after we had gotten in this you know argument and upset and I was then trying to repair the and because she wasn't talking to me which was really unusual <clears throat> um and she came to me and we had both studied nonviolent communication together um when she was younger and so then I was you know trying to use those techniques and saying you know well um 
you know, I understand, I'm empathizing with you. I understand how you might've seen this and, um, you know, these were my needs and, and she just said, you know, how come you just only use this stuff when there's a problem? (laughs) And I was like, oh gosh, is that true? Yeah, there's, yeah, it couldn't, it was like an aha moment of, oh yeah, I can use these communication ways more. And I guess I'm not, yeah, there's, there were definitely ways that I was being with her that were not, you know, like giving the answers too quickly, trying to solve the problems, which is exactly the what I said about my mom, not wanting to tell her things because she was just always trying to tell me the answer. Right. Oh my gosh. It's so, you know, many examples spring to my head. I mean, I, as a mediator, I was trained in how you communicate and and not to jump to what the answer is. And I remember she was deciding what color to paint her room and she was going to be able to paint it. And I remember going in there and her saying, um, I know what I want. I know what I want to color. I want to paint it black. And my feel, my immediate was, oh, you no way. Can you paint your bedroom black? And I had learned so that I went, so, okay, tell me what it is you like about that, that you would want. I mean, what would that, how would that make your room? I, you know, not being critical, but helping trying to understand where she was coming from. So, yeah. So what you said too on, on, in your website, which is so, there's so much in there that's helpful and you have so many resources and you said that it's, it's a growing learning experience for the mother just as much as it is for the child right we learn much we learn so much from our children as we're parenting yeah exactly I think I say there it's like a spiritual initiation I really see parenting as a series of spiritual initiations I mean when I first had my babies I remember that the, um, you know, the self-sacrifice and denial of myself, my own needs during that time, I recognized that's like similar to what the yogis were doing, you know, by going, you know, I would just think of this image of like, you know, in the Himalayas going to a cave and not eating and, right. you know, not being able to get up when you really want to because someone's sleeping on your chest you know these kind of things it's like yeah you can either be extremely frustrated or you can yeah learn from that yeah definitely so what about the the preteens and the early teens that come what seems to be their biggest as you get into discussions what are they talking about oh like when I have girl circles um yeah it's definitely a little harder to get them talking sometimes but um but when there's a group of girls and I'm just kind of facilitating the discussion asking some questions and letting them talk um yeah they're Maybe a lot of it is about their peer interactions, you know, and 
um, uh, their own feelings of insecurity among their peers. That's the big one that comes up. Yeah, right. So you know that I work mostly with adult women, professional women who, um, who still, a lot of them have insecurities, you know, and um, don't trust their, their inner wisdom necessarily. Um, so what, I guess, what can we do better with our daughters? So, or women in general that to help them realize that they're, I mean, to me, it's about the heroine's journey is about helping women understand they are heroines of their own story. And that's an amazing thing. I mean, they, they are so much more than they realize they are. So how, Elvira, can we exactly. help them understand that? Yes, that is the, the goal. I love how you put that. And, um, and yeah, I feel like we can help them to know that it's normal, you know, that everyone is going through this. Because that's the first step, I think, when you're a teenager is that you're not quite realizing yet that everyone is going through these similar feelings of insecurity. I mean, it might be over a different issue. Different people have different things that make them feel insecure. But yeah, we all have things to overcome and that we all have different strengths. I really love um, working with teenagers on their different character strengths and different ways to look at personality profiles and giving them a different view on themselves in that way. Um, and I also love helping the moms to do that and shifting the focus that way really seeing how people are using their strengths um even when sometimes when you don't think they are you know right or they don't see them as strengths they don't mm -hmm. realize that they have that and maybe other people don't you know yeah 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 so mm. that's a big part of it and um and also um, we were talking before about archetypes, and I really I think it's important to help our girls realize that there are these different archetypes and that we can experience different ones and we don't have to get locked into any certain one because I feel like, yeah, when you're first um, separating, individuating, finding yourself, you're, that's a common thing is that you might lock on to one thing and think okay well this is who I have to be um, and so it's important to know that especially in those younger years that's a time for exploration and yeah go ahead and try on these different ways of being and explore and that's and that also goes into the study of menstrual cycles because as women we are cyclical beings we are going to feel differently day to day and that's normal totally normal so not to beat ourselves up i think the human condition it's very much thinking that things are gonna just last like when you're in a funky mood you're feeling like this is this might last forever what am i gonna do you know <laughs> that's like an, a normal 
you know, bias that we have. And so just recognizing, oh, okay, this is not necessarily going to last forever. And yeah. Yeah. And it, it, when you were talking about the teenagers getting stuck, perhaps in, oh, this is the way I'm going to be. I would say also the other end of that, when you're 60 and older or 55 and older, you still can be exploring and changing and trying this and trying that. And there's, I mean, in other words, don't get stuck thinking, oh, I'm a grandmother. So this means I can't do that anymore. And I can't do that anymore. And um, we can still keep trying, exploring, living, walking yeah. the this journey, listening for calls. Yeah. Because we're going to keep yeah, getting exactly. them. Yeah. Until we, boy, I, this wonderful friend who has passed away and she was 95 when she passed away. And we would talk about the heroine's journey and she would say, you know, I'm getting ready for another one. And she meant dying, you know, the, that's crossing like kind of the ultimate threshold at the end of yeah. life. And she was very um, interested, you know, what will it be like? And I, in other words, I can't wait to see. So um, yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I do feel like all the calls that we get in life are preparing us maybe for that bigger call and threshold to go yeah, beyond this life. It's like we're learning things so that we can take them with us. Right. right. Yeah. And that brings up another point that we get all these calls and and when I look back, I think each call sort of prepared me for the next one. You know, you mm. that's how you collect your wisdom. Um, yeah. Anyways, it's fascinating. Well, this is also reminding me of the truth of how we can be healing our ancestors' issues. And that also we're, of course, you know, our healing helps the next generation, but that there's, you know, right. I love to talk with the girls also about how their the eggs of their children were in them as they were embryo inside their mother. So you see, I have these nesting dolls up on my wall. It's like, we're all connected. And that was another thing that Marianne Williamson really helped me to remember is that all minds are joined. She would always say that. And it's so true. Like you can know what's going on with someone if you're, you know, if you're just a little bit aware <laughs> right and i would say and and joined minds but also with nature um mm. our connection yes and i i bet you i'm thinking that part of the draw for you for hawaii was the nature that you find there and, yes yeah huh well i'm oh just let me look and make sure I've asked the big ones. Um, and I think that I have. Is there anything that you and I talked about that I haven't mentioned and asked you to talk about? That you can, mm -hmm. I'm looking <clears throat> at my notes. As... 
Yeah, I know. It feels like there's so many places we could go. <laughs> Good. And I, I know we're getting near our ending time. Um, I guess the, the thing I have here, um, lifting the taboo. I mean, so much of what you're doing in encouraging these conversations is lifting the taboos of, oh, you don't talk about getting your period and you don't talk about whatever you know you're yeah yeah which is so good yeah it's it's really amazing that and it's just still so new as um women are more and more willing to talk about it with each other and also think about how our cyclical nature can be an important thing to bring out into the world that are, you know, the masculine way of doing things where it's like, you have to be on it in the same, with the same energy every day, that that is actually not healthy. It's not healthy for men either. Um, although they are more on like a solar rhythm, but, um, you know, they need downtime and, and recognizing that and having it not be like a weakness is still a tricky thing that I think our culture is still dealing with. Like sometimes when I talk about it with women, they're like, yeah, but our, you know, mothers fought so hard to have it be, you know, we don't want to be stigmatized by like, oh, you're going to have your period and not be able to handle this job or whatever. But it's actually the world can be molded to work with those cyclical natures and I think that's more sustainable and I think that could be a big answer to our future sustainability mm. Hmm. oh I have to stop asking questions we'll have to do this again <laughs> um, let me just ask you as people are listening and learning so much from what you have to say Elvira what do you want to make sure they hear from you like if they don't remember anything else from our conversation you'd like them to remember what mm. um yeah that our willingness is really everything and um trying again you know yeah like when we're talking about the heroine's journey there's so many you know, potholes and boulders we have to cross. And so, yeah, so we, yeah, every day just have to try again, be willing to center ourselves and yeah, follow oh, our calling. Yeah. One foot after the other, one step after the other. And yeah, and it's, yeah. it's hard, but we're all going through the same thing. And yeah. Wonderful. Well, I I just want to mention, so your, um, well, if you could mention, so your website is, oh, like, find yeah. My, yeah, my website is heroinejourneyguide.com. Okay. And you can also find me on Instagram as the puberty doula. And I am, yeah, putting together some free new moon mother circles and uh, 
so you can look for that in the future. And I also, yeah, have some a PDF on communication with your daughters on for free on my website. This is such, such needed and such good stuff. And I'm assuming your circles are in person in Hawaii, but also maybe on Zoom too, or is it all? Oh, yes, I should say that's right. Um, I do have a little in-person group in Hawaii, but I am talking about online. Yeah, I'm going to offer them through my, I have like a private Facebook group, but you can still find out about them on Instagram and um and yeah, it's just online circle, which is an amazing ability that we have to reach people around the world. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when you talked about what you were able to do during the pandemic, you know, for me, too, it's when I created my online course, the pandemic, as difficult as it was and hard for people and devastating for some people was also that we talk about the downtime. It was great downtime for our creativity. So, yeah. well, Elvira, I have loved our conversation. Thank you so much. Yes, for likewise, Susanna. It's so great to just have these conversations. Yeah. And of course, when you love something like the archetype of the heroine's journey and you find somebody else that resonates with it, it's even better. So yes. <laughs> great, that, great that I found you, even though you were a long way away in Hawaii. So, <laughs> yeah, right? and thank you so much for letting me use the map. That was one of our first connections. I remember asking you if I could right. use the map and I did play it like a game board with some girls and girl circles that was really helpful and fun someday i think you you mentioned this someday it'd be so much fun to really put that and make it into a game for yeah. more all right future project between <laughs> maybe that sounds great so i want to thank everybody who joined us today and listened to this podcast and i hope that you'll keep tuning in there'll be another one with another real life heroine so there's many real life heroines so we'll be doing this for quite a while thank you and see you the next time you've been listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna Liller thank you for joining us if you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLillard.com and visit the website at SusannaLillard.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve.